0: This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to the Super j I'm Joel, joined by Damon McDonald. It is Saturday the 8th of July. i joined by Esther as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: this is episode 265. Um, Damon, we have the Grade 1 Climax right around the corner. And I know this is something we've discussed on the show previously, but how do you delay your grade one climax. Do you still use Barry Windham? Or <laughs> yeah, Barry. Have you got new strategy in
1: Yeah. It's it it is still Barry Wyndham. Barry Windham comes in very handy in those situations. Uh also my go-to of uh Pavel Burray, uh former Vancouver Canuck. Uh, I would just imagine him skating very fast on the down the ice. <laughs> but yeah, those are still two to um uh, who I think about like um uh like just like the most mundane work stuff like like an excel spreadsheet or something what do you use what do you do
2: i i have to go with like extreme <laughs> gruesome injuries <laughs> to <laughs> put myself off like it's a compound fractures like you know sid vicious <laughs> level stuff um uh-huh. or stuff from films like i i was watching a, a film I, I really enjoyed the other night called bone tomahawk uh, any listeners if you've if you've seen it, you know the scene that I'm talking about. And I was watching that, and I was thinking, oh, my God, that's horrific. That's one of the most awful things I've seen oh. on film. But I'm storing that one away <laughs> for the, uh, <laughs> what what we it this, the, the grade one climax delay bank, And, uh, yeah, put it to good use last night. Excellent. It worked, worked a treat.
1: Fantastic. Well done. Oh, my goodness. It is funny, though, that how you do have to, I mean, uh, especially when when I was younger, like I would be like, I'd have to think of like the, the dumbest things, like, and it would just be like, it would always be the same vision. Like, okay, so it's Barry Windham. That's that's mine, of course. That's the joke, but it's always Barry Windham doing the same move. That you know, that flying four army thing <laughs> coming off, and his and his bleach blonde hair just wisping in the wind, and his and his uh, cowboy boots. Type wrestling gear, yes that that that'll that'll make a man flaccid <laughs> very quickly. I tell you what else is making me
2: flaccid these days, they and all this talk about um the, you've, I don't know if you've been following this bloodline storyline in WWE, where we have got people on the streets shouting that this is like better than cinema, it's better than prestige TV, better oh. than theatre. Because this is a you know a story that is evolving, and you get a different chapter of it each week oh. in a different sold out venue across the world. What's what's your take on this sort of pro wrestling versus other art forms debate? Do you think they are at all comparable? Because I was just saying, to like, I tweeted that before we went on the air that that Naito moment, Wrestle Kingdom fourteen, where he finally hit the Stardust press. and you were next to me, you saw how I was just absolutely losing my mind, and that's one of my favorite. Things I've ever seen, like in terms of a live event, just being there, that was amazing. However, I also acknowledge that it's absolute nerd shit, and that I'm never going to be telling other people like, "Oh, this was better than The Godfather, (laughs) or this is better than The Sopranos, this is better than Shakespeare," because that would be a completely insane and inaccurate thing to say. Yeah. Uh, And also, I think it's a great example of pro wrestling done right. You know, it's such a simple story that you know the wrestler. Who wants to win the wrestling championship? Doing the wrestling move, and, and I think it's just a great example of wrestling staying in its lane. Do you think that there's ever any overlap, or do you prefer those things to be separate? Ah,
1: uh, they they are separate. They're separate things. Um, now it might elicit similar emotions in you. I'm <clears throat> sorry, I'm losing my voice. I don't know why. Um, similar emotions in you, but um no, they are not even close to being like, imagine you going up to a sane human being and saying that <laughs> they would just, um, or, or better yet go up to like a, yeah, uh, you know, a true artist or a true musician, like someone who is, uh, a, a cellist, uh, you know, someone who plays a fucking tuba and, and say that it's just, that's, uh, it's offensive. um, no, now is it its own separate art form that pulls from many different uh, genres uh, and types of entertainment? Yes, it has. Whereas before, it might not have been as much, but now it seems like it that is. And once again, v- Vince has done everything in his power, everything in his power to remove the stigma. And the perceived stigma of pro wrestling, he doesn't want. any... just just remove the wrestling. Yeah. He's he said everything can to remove right. the wrestling from WWE. Great, right. but, but but the main. But the, it's still wrestling. You know what I mean? Like I'm this restaurant. I am going to not serve. Uh, I mean, as a bad example. Oh uh, no, no, no! I'll make it a good example. Uh, we are, we will not serve ice cream here in this ice cream parlor <laughs> you know, well what are we going to sell or an ice cream parlor uh i don't know. maybe it was a bad <laughs> i was really trying <laughs> i was really there was a moment there where my brain was just like just it couldn't keep up It just it just it just petered out uh,
2: yeah see we, we did such a great job with the california roll stuff last week now you, th- you thought it was easy. Mm. I made it look easy with that, but no, it's not. Food analogies are
1: yeah. takes years of practice. You know what? You you are a true legend. <laughs> I, I'm just a, I'm just a young upstart trying to learn my craft. Uh, are there really people that are comparing it to to legitimate uh, film or arts or something like that?
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of that, and honestly. Without want well, to actually know, this is this is going to be patronizing. It's meant to be patronizing. If you believe that, then you need to like go and read some books and watch some movies. Yeah. Expose yourself to more of the wonderful art that is around us. Yeah, yeah and, uh, so, Trust me. Like, I love pro wrestling, but it is it's not on that level for me.
1: No, it's not for any human being. Um, it's, I don't know. Like, I just feel like. <laughs> People want to make things nerdier than they are, (laughs) you know? I'm going to add another level of uh, nerdiness to what is No,
2: I I think it's the opposite. I think people are so desperate not to be seen as nerds. They don't want to acknowledge that their thing is a very niche, nerdy thing, that they are trying to push back against that and want it to have some sort of mainstream acceptance.
1: Why? But here's the thing. Why would you want that? I, I, the, the, the best things in life are those things that you and a pocket of friends enjoy. And maybe, you know, not everyone in your social, it's not, you know, maybe not as mainstream as one would think. And again, I'm talking about shit like, okay, uh, like if you look at my YouTube channels, you know, like that, my subscriptions, it, it is the fucking I watch me and Cheryl watch a guy every night. This is our bedtime routine, it does not involve fellatio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me let me make that. Uh, Barry yeah, ba- no, Barry window. Barry Windham hasn't been needed for quite a while. Um, the uh, oh, sorry. Uh, the um we watch this guy and he has like two or three little kids. And when I mean little kids, like four years old, six years old. And he does survival camping in like Alaska with his kids. And so he will make like, I mean, it's not as extreme as it sounds like the, it's not like the kids, you know, is scrounging for food, you know, eating ants. Um, but we watch that. And then we watch – I watch uh, like like there's a b- baseball and a hockey game. But it's not like EA Sports where you control the player and you're scoring. The no, it's the – it's like uh, – you know that game Football Manager?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. Massive fan of it back in the day. I had to uninstall it because it was so addictive that I knew I would just sink hundreds of hours into it. So I, yeah. <laughs> I had to stop.
1: Well, imagine there being a hockey one and a baseball one. You know what I mean? So like now I'm like c- – kind of super into that i'm literally sitting in front of a air a a mock airplane (laughs) yoke and throttle system so that i can fly my imaginary uh, planes all over the world (laughs) all right do you think do you think that goes over well at the bar no it does not so you know (laughs)
2: <laughs> My latest playlist I've been watching on YouTube is um, these boundary breaks video of people who sort of hack into video games to see, like during cutscenes and stuff, what's what's happening beyond the scenes. Like, oh, this this sprite was created by putting overlaying this one on this one, and if you move, uh, if you hack the game and move your character out here, then everything turns blue. <laughs>
1: that, that's the sort of stuff I like to watch. show like that. I that would be I would definitely be in that. Um, and then I like watching. There's this one dude. Who uh, he doesn't talk at all in the entire video, um, but he will restore like old video game consoles and handhelds and everything. And uh, he just takes it up, he takes the entire thing up. And I'm like, oh, so that's how that, all right, okay, that little, you know, just stupid. Oh my God. Yep, that's us. We're nerds. So I guess the bottom line is this revel in your nerdiness. Rev- that, it's a, that That is a joy. You don't want what you love to be mainstream. You really don't. You really. The worst feeling I ever had was going to a Nine Inch Nails concert and seeing people who beat me up in high school. <laughs> I was like, huh, all that for nothing. All that, and yet you're here. Hmm. <sighs> Do they beat you up again? Yeah. <laughs> They, they took off they they de- deep de- de- de to me. It made me run around um, on stage with my willy hanger.
2: David, ele- elephant in the room. What's what's happened to your voice?
1: I don't know. It's just I woke up with it. It's like a very um. um I okay,
2: prepared. so you haven't been <commissions> like screaming at your TV with passionate Roman Reigns soliloquies then. <laughs> this is <just> a- No. <inaudible> <laughs> random illness
1: no and uh, uh yeah i mean honestly it's, uh, it's probably because i snored like a fucking buzzsaw last night and uh well, my mouth, my throat is all dry and shit okay i'm all right though i'm sorry for the voice
2: no that's okay if you need to um rehydrate yourself just say the words and uh, i can talk about some what can i talk to you about what i've been watching on youtube yeah. lately um Yes, I'm, I'm scrolling through my YouTube. No, I'm not going to go down this rabbit Yeah, I'm yeah, saying. yeah, no. Come on, do
1: it. <laughs> this is do it. No, I, I just want...
2: Absolutely no interest in that. No,
1: I want, I want two more. Just just, just the themes. Come on.
2: Um, okay. The, one video. Uh, Preston Jacobs, confusing parts of the Song of Ice and Fire book series, the Game of Thrones book series. So bits of the book that he found confusing. Okay. 20 minutes on that. Right. That was a good one. Um, and a... Kaizo Mario speedruns. So Kaizo Mario games are like people who sort of hack into Mario games and sort of custom create their own impossible levels where you'd have to use sort of like save states to get through it. You'd you load up the level and immediately Mario would be like falling onto spikes gotcha. and getting attacked by bullets. So people speed running these insane games. So um, yeah, there we go. But <laughs> That's the sort of stuff that I will I will tell you more about if you need a drink at some point. Um, but anyway, we have a, a lot to talk about today. We've got the Independence Day shows and I'd like to do a full comprehensive preview and breakdown of the Great One Climax because I can't wait, Damon. It's that time of the year. I'm really, really excited about it um this year on paper it, it looks great so i'm thrilled to be breaking that down with you but uh, yeah let's do the independence day first so this was a, a double header at cora hall on the 4th and 5th of july and just overall thoughts i mean i thought the, like, the crowd the atmosphere the whole vibe in the arena was great i loved hearing all like the american chanting like the this is awesome chance and and all of that that was a nice touch um From what I understand, a lot of Freedoms fans in the house, like you could hear them just absolutely losing their minds for Junkus. I I think he was probably the tipping point that put night one into a sellout. I don't think night two actually sold out. So I think the Freedoms fans cannot be understated in their contributions yeah. uh, towards the both the the ticket sales and the atmosphere of these shows. Uh, it was great to have Ian Riccoboni there. I thought he and Chris were outstanding together. Um, and again, a lot of uh, consternation about this being on pay-per-view again. I, st- I still don't agree that we are heading down the road of everything being locked behind pay-per-view. I still think we're going to get our core events uh, for well, I say for, for included in the 999 yen subscription package. But um, I mean, overall, how did you enjoy these Independence Day shows?
1: They they did have a, a different feel, and which was which was definitely welcoming. Um, it, 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 when you get shows like these, and you bring in the outside elements of of again free, like would those freedoms fans be at a regular old road to Corkin show probably not um maybe but, but but probably not because here's the thing when they are there they're very noisy <laughs> very active um so yeah I mean they just added a, a I guess a, a a different element to me it didn't feel like a New Japan show but yet it did right like like it didn't it to me I didn't get the vibe I was watching a New Japan strong show as as much as I felt like I was watching a like almost like an all-in show this is what I felt because all these guys that you know you don't see and a lot of these guys the first time in the building or maybe second time um it's that, 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 that makes it special. You know, that the, the, there was, there was a. <sighs> like I'm, I'm having difficulty trying to describe the difference, but there was an absolutely different vibe and it wasn't, I don't know. Like if I I, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to come up with the analogy, but like, I'm thinking like, I don't know. Your favorite... No, I ain't going to Fuck that. I, I don't have it. But
2: Yeah, you've, you've learned your lesson I with did, it now, like yeah. you're Stay in your lane, man. Come on. Yeah, man. I got to
1: bail out on that. Um, but no, I, I, I definitely felt a different vibe and a, and a welcoming vibe from these shows that were, again, different from New Japan as a whole. It had a diff- It just had a different feeling than a, a New Japan show.
2: Right, well, I'm not going to go match by match. I'll sort of categorize stuff by theme. So let's talk about the death match stuff. So the second night, we had the final death match. Uh, John Moxley beat El Desperado in 20 minutes, 33 seconds <coughs> with a death rider. And then the main event of night one was uh, an exciting encounter, Doomsday No DQ match with Junkasai and El Desperado defeating Homicide and John Moxley, 18 minutes, 34 seconds. Actually, there's no point in me going through the moves, is there? Basically, <laughs> this is the death match stuff that, <laughs> that, that you would expect here. Everyone just... You know, piss in blood, uh ridiculously violent spots, a lot of creativity. I mean, the thing that's going to stay in my head really is the crowd reception when uh, Junkasai's music started playing. Mm. So people just lost their minds there. Just like the joy on Despi's face as he was like dancing along to the music. He obviously adores the guy. Uh, so we've got a lot of questions on this one. Nathan says, uh, "Would you, Joel, let your little ones watch the main event of Night One of Strong Independence?" They absolutely not. No, I would not. Uh, Troy says, "Would you like more death matches in New Japan in the future?" Gig says, "Screw that American block nonsense. Should we have a death match block in the G1?" Aramitha says, "What was the most dudes rock moment of Mox- Moxie versus Despy?" Personally, I would choose when Despy brought out the bamboo skewers and handed half of them to Mox. Uh, my favorite was actually the. Um, the exciting encounter Doomsday No DQ tag match where they actually built a, uh, two hot tags <laughs> <laughs> in the latter parts of the match. You know, there's like Despy on the outside go, oh, tag me in, tag me in as if like the, the prior 50 minutes hadn't been complete chaos with no semblance of any sort of <laughs> tag team wrestling whatsoever. So that that was very, very funny. I enjoyed that a lot. I mean, the, the deathmatch stuff is what it is. I, I enjoy it in small doses. It's not my favourite thing. I don't find it as dramatic and compelling as normal wrestling. Um, I don't, nothing for me has come close to that amazing match. Who was it? Um, Takeda and Kodaka yeah. in 2018. That was like the peak of death match wrestling. But I think that was kind of a great match that also happened to be a death match, uh, but also shows how, you know, death matches can be really great as well. But yeah, no, th- these were plenty of fun. Um, I enjoyed them a lot. Enjoy them in small doses. Wouldn't be something I would be clamoring for, but I just thought it was really cool to see, First of all, Despy main eventing both of these. Right. You know, see, see how far he's come. And, you know, what a great spot for him. You know, having a second singles match with John Moxley, that's it's almost sort of unthinkable. And if someone had told you that in, like, 2018, that El Desperado and
0: right. Dean,
2: as he would have then been Dean Ambrose, you know, having these death match main events <laughs> in Corrigan Hall like you would probably be checked into an insane asylum. So I just thought it was really cool to see both these guys going together and, and Despy. I I don't want to get drawn into conversations about, is he going to move up to heavyweight, blah, 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 because I kind of feel he sort of transcended that at the moment, just because he's so charismatic and he's carved out this weird, but incredibly cool niche in the company where he can do stuff like this. And, you know, having a guy, you know, a, a superstar, I think Mox is a superstar in wrestling, uh, show that level of respect and have them sort of looking competitive, looking like equals on that stage. I just thought it was a a lot of fun. So uh, how did you enjoy the two death matches?
1: I I Look, I I like the spectacle of a death match, right? The idea of it and the the, the, the way they mutilate their bodies is, you know, kind of like gawking out the car window, looking at the accident. Um, I, I just every time I wind up watching a a, a quote death match, I I I'm, I think I wind up feeling bad for them. <laughs> like I just think, like, what life decisions <laughs> put put you here with this piece of metal wrapped around your mouth uh, and bleeding all over the place. Um, I, I mean. I like the idea of a two guys that even though they've done, they've done them before, you, you just wouldn't expect to see like Despy being this guy who goes off on these shows and just goes off is, is pretty awesome. Right. Um, I like the idea of guys that, wouldn't normally do a death match doing death matches um look there's plenty of shit out there on the interwebs um with you know guys and 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 young ladies doing this type of shit uh, look i got i got mad respect for you if you if you want want to do that cuz that that does not look like a fun evening but in the same breath i'm just kind of like I don't know. Is this... Uh, uh, it might not be for me. It, it's, it probably isn't for me.
2: Well, let's now talk about the strong openweight championship match, which was Eddie Kingston defeating Kenta, 13 minutes, 30 seconds with the Northern Lights bomb. So Eddie Kingston becomes a new strong openweight champion. Um, I don't know if I would call this a good match. It exceeded my expectations, which were quite low, admittedly, but I thought they... Pulled together what was quite a dramatic and engaging match, particularly the closing stretch, although it was like very sloppy. And I was aware that I was watching two guys who were <laughs> past their peak, let's say. Um, but I think it was all worth it for the post-match stuff, like genuinely heartwarming scenes with him celebrating with homicide and uh, Eddie's backstage promo afterwards where, you know, the man's literally breaking down into tears with emotion at winning the strong open weight championship. And there's not many wrestlers on the planet who would have that as a genuine response. A lot of other wrestlers responded that way. It would seem hokey, but with Eddie Kingston, you believe it. And I wasn't his biggest fan. You know, if you asked me like a year ago when he started appearing for new Japan, I didn't really get it. But now I've watched enough of him and seeing how he always gives 100% and he wears his heart on his sleeve and all those promos, those emotions, they seem really, really genuine. Just the amount of effort he puts in, he, I don't know, he just he feels like more New Japan adjacent than he did at the start of the year. So now things like him retiring Jay White on that strong show and him winning this title and him entering the G1, it seems more palatable and dare I say it, uh, welcome. Because I've I've grown a lot of affection for the guy just by the sheer amount of heart that he shows.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the main thing that people gravitate to him is the fact that he is real, you know, like he, or, you know, if he, if he ain't real, he's doing a good job playing a guy who is real. <laughs> Cause, um, I, I, I don't think you can f- kind of fake that. Like to me, he's more like, He's the modern day Dusty Rhodes at, at this point, in the sense that you know the in ring, okay, it's it's there and it's fine and okay, you know, where nobody's complaining about it, but nobody's going to go uh, waving banners for him. Um, it's it's everything else. It's the fact that like he emotes like a like a like a normal guy who appreciates where he's at. Um, I had some. I, 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 I had somebody kind of hand wave this interview, the, the post match. And, you know, I think he was just trying to be funny with it or whatever. I don't know. But like, he's just like, oh, what a mark, you know, but blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I like that. I like that things mean something to people. You know, I like I and and that connection that he has with people who enjoy watching him. It's it's about being real, um, and and wearing your emotions on your sleeve, and being excited for moments like that. That you know, did Eddie Kingston like three years ago think he would be there doing that in that building that he's watched thousands of times on you know VHS and DVDs? I mean, I got fucking excited just walking in the building. Just having my feet touch the floor in the building. I was like, oh, my God. Unbelievable. How'd I get here? I'm here. I'm sure I'm sure the same things he was feeling. I liked it. Again, the match. Yeah, it was all right. It was fine. But it wasn't about the match. It was about him Connecting and, and using every ounce of Terry Funk that he has inside of him and connecting with the with people. Connecting with the people. Modern day Dusty Rose.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's that realness that is so compelling about Eddie Kingston and makes him stand out. But uh, let's go from people being real to mud dogs for real. Oh. And that is the, the war dogs team, the heavyweight war dogs. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> uh, Gabe Kidd and Alex Coglin, who had uh, two matches against bishamon Yoshihashi, and Hiroki Goto. So on the first night, they uh, defeated them to win the strong openweight tag team championships uh, in 12 minutes. And then on the second night, they lost to them, uh, uh, Shimon retained their IWGP tag team championship. So uh, I really enjoyed these pairs' of matches. Uh, and I've said it before, there's just that sort of dangerous um, Gaikokujin energy that is in the arena when Gabe and Copeland come out. Mainly Gabe, I mean, he just carries that intensity and that sort of unpredictable violent streak that I find really compelling to watch. Um, my favourite moment of the two maxes was that slap exchange that Gabe and Gotto had. So that was tremendous. Yeah. And, and I think Coglin is is growing into the role as well. He's looking a lot more natural. He's, the, the look is great. Just the little additions he's made, like the dog tags and the, the little armband things that he's wearing that makes his, his muscles pop a bit more. Um, he's now cracking jokes in the ring when he, he was with, in the ring with Yoshi Hashi and he did the knock-knock joke and smacked him over the head and said, just mostly who's there, you fucking idiot. That was really good. And <laughs> the, the promo that the pair of them cut over after night one, particularly Gabe, man, like just everything he is touching, he is owning right now. And again, like we were saying with the Kingston thing, that promo was so good because it was real, right. like born from real-life frustration about... All that time he spent at the dojo and all the time he's been left at home, not being brought to Wrestle Kingdom, not invited to the New Japan Cup, not the Sakura Genesis. That's real. And just a perfect way to channel that. And I think the storyline's great with them both saying, like, you know, we did all everything that you asked us to do and got nothing. Now we listen to Dave Finley and now look at us, we're champions. So it's a great story. I just think this iteration of the Bullet Club is fantastic. It's a breath of fresh air. And I'm so excited for, I mean, we're going to preview G1 later, but really, really excited for Gabe Kids G1, both the, the wrestling and the promos, because I think in terms of a sort of a, a toolkit for what you want from a professional wrestler, I think Gabe's got everything, to be honest.
1: I, I, the, I think the upside right now, not only Bullet Club, but New Japan as a whole, is like, I am. I am fucking buying what they are selling. Because it does feel f- fresh, and it, you know what? It, you know what it really is. You never, and everybody kind of wanted these guys to start get, you know, get getting involved and 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 seeing them more and giving them a reason to be there. Um, uh, it's amazing how talented a pro wrestler is that you might think. Oh, he don't, he don't have it, or he's not the, a guy, or and then they they make it happen, right? And I don't know if it's like the tide raising all boats kind of situation where you have to step up and you have to be. But it it is amazing that if they give people an opportunity, and some take longer than others. Don't get me wrong. Um, and sometimes they do drag their fucking feet. And I don't know if that's a test of their willingness to gut it out, um, but there are rewards. There are rewards at the end of the tunnel, and I'm and I'm very happy that New Japan recognized that. That was that, that was probably the biggest thing. I think a lot of people had like who or who who are we building up here? Who are who's the next level as the guys from 2018 and 19 kind of get you know, a little bit downplayed just because of age and the grind on their body and all of that stuff. Time does not stop. But they did They did a fantastic job just kind of a very, you know, it wasn't a long time, but I feel like we're in such a good spot. And it's just the, the good news is, is that it's just starting, you know? It's just starting. Like, w- where are we going to be in two years? Right, like, like, I'm excited. It's 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 fresh. It's uh, energizing. I, I look. I feel sorry for people who are still stuck in 2018 and are and, you know and and they they can't realize. I don't. You know what? Not to jump all over the place, Joe. Um, that was probably one of the things that I found kind of funny with the F- Forbidden Door show. Right. The idea of the guys that they brought out being the the perceived stars. But like if you've been watching the promotion, it's really, you know, there's a lot of people there that are kind of filling the roles of the people that are perceived as stars. It seems like
2: a really missed opportunity not to get guys like any of the Bullet Club guys on Forbidden Door or G or, you know, these guys that we've got plugged in for the future. And, you know, to not even tease a bullet club versus bullet club stuff. And I know everyone's exhausted by it, but you could have easily done a what they call black and gold bullet club, you know, do Jay White, Juice and the guns against Finlay, Gabe Coglin and Clark Connors. And then just have them like brawl to a no contest or something or double DQ or whatever, just sort of set up a possibility of something for next year. Um, the fact that they didn't do that at all just seems like a, a real whiff to me and does sort of raise concerns for me about the New Japan-AW partnership where I think the wrestlers that Tony Khan wants to book, the New Japan wrestlers that Tony Khan wants to book and that the AW fans want to see from the New Japan side are going to become increasingly divergent to the guys that New Japan are pushing. Right, And, you know, it's stuck in this sort of 2018 mindset where... You know, every year we, we've got to have you know Okada and Tanahashi and Naito and all, all the same guys being promoted. And, you know, the the guys that New Japan are actually pu- pushing in their domestic products and not getting a look in because they're not. Uh, Tony Khan doesn't think that they're going to sell tickets. The AW fans don't view them as stars. Then, um, yeah, that's going to have a, a certain shelf life to it. But, um, I mean, you know, we did all the forbidden door talk, right. talk before. I don't want to re-litigate that. But, yeah, you, you do raise a, an interesting point there.
1: Yeah, I mean... Yep. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) All right, um, I'll go on then. So
2: uh, let's talk about the second uh, set of tag titles that changed hands. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles that moved from um, Catch-2-2, Akira and TJP into the hands of Clark Connors and Driller Maloney. 15 minutes, 36 seconds. Uh, I thought this was maybe... Actually, no, it was. I think this was the best match out of the, the two days. Mm, yep. um, catch two, they're always brilliant. You always know what you're going to get there. And poor Akira, man, he ate shit in, in this match. Like he, he did that flip off the outside and both guys completely missed oh. him and he took a flat-back bump on the, the outside. That was nasty. And then he overshot a suicide dive and his head nearly went crashing into the railing. He, he took an absolute beating <laughs> in this match, uh, which was a slightly worrying. I hope he's okay. Uh, and then we had... Um, Clark and Driller 24 hours later being sort of thrust into an impromptu defense against Rocky and Yo and Driller saying, no, no, we went out drinking yesterday. I'm too hungover. Can't do it. <laughs> uh, that was a lot of fun and, and yeah, pretty good match as well. And I just think this is, I, I'm very impressed at the amount that they've given to Maloney this early on. Yeah. Cause he started off with what, you know, the first half of his best the super tuner. I, I was a bit more positive on it than most people were, but I, if you'd have said to me, right, uh, Maloney's going to be in the hottest new stable and holding a IWGP championship a month later, I would have said, no, that's insane. But, you know, they must obviously see a lot in this guy to to be giving him this level of push. And I think it's warranted. I mean, this is really exciting. I think it was the right move to change the titles. He looked great. I think that the tag team's really good. I think. Dare I say it, he's outshining Clark Connors. I mean, he's looking like the – if you're going to say which one of these is the star of the team, I think Driller Maloney is the guy who's been sort of capturing the spotlight for me. Um, but, yeah, very exciting times.
1: No doubt. I mean, look who's in the mix for the junior titles. I mean, just this past year, it's been arguably the the best um, division That New Japan has, like those those teams fighting over those titles, they have been. I mean, has there been a match that's missed? You know, a title defense that was like Mm -hmm. "Uh, that was okay. Like, I I think that division for those titles is vastly underrated so far this year, and not getting nearly as much love as I think they deserve. We
2: had a question from William. He says, "What do you think about the direction of the tag divisions?" I here's a hot take. I think New Japan have the best booked tag division in wrestling right now. Yeah, I think they're doing it a lot better than the other major promotions. And I would extend that to both the heavyweight and the junior heavyweight tag divisions. I think they're they're all firing on all cylinders. The quality of the matches is great. Exciting angles. Uh, very healthy looking divisions. So yeah, I think they're doing an outstanding job with the tag division booking this year. I
1: agree, I, I, and the people that they have in the mix, um, it has had the, all of them have been really fun. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I mean, look, I remember years of you know Doc Gallows and fucking Carl, an- Carl Anderson and. Um, <clears throat> It, it 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 felt like for a long time, the tag division was just an an afterthought. But uh, listen, I don't know. I don't know who woke up and realized they have these these titles, and let's do something with them. But but yeah, I again, I think the junior division tag wise has been absolutely underrated, and even even. A lot of the heavyweight tag stuff, you know, it's flying under the radar. And but here's the thing: it's been great. We've had we Bishamon killing it, uh, FTR,
2: Aussie Open, TMDK, and now we got the War Dogs. This is this is good shit.
1: Unbelievable stuff, right? And and here's the thing too: like, I feel bad, but I but I don't feel bad in the sense that does it does. Let me ask you this, and and this is like a. Gatekeeper question, but fuck it. Do you feel like New Japan is yours again?
2: Oh, absolutely. 100%. New Japan's back, baby. The battle is over. We have won. Um, (laughs) In what sense? Could you elaborate on that?
1: Yeah. Like, again, I I like the fact that new people find the product, enjoy the product. You know, it's, it's how everybody became a fan. You know, they saw it, it piqued your interest, and away you go. But it's like, I don't know. It's like your favorite band, I guess, right? <clears throat> Who you you love and you have this uh, attachment with, but no one else you know, you know, unless they come to town at a small club. You know, the, those are the people that are the fans, but those are the uh, the fans. But let's just say they get one just fucking out of the blue of uh, one song becomes a fucking hit. And everyone knows this fucking song. And everyone, you hear it all everywhere you go. Like, does that do you lose a little bit of that? I don't know, innocence of it being yours, or is that just a, like a completely selfish way of like, thinking?
2: No, no, I totally agree with you. This is this is prime music, Damon. I love it, and I think there's a lot that sort of dovetails with what's going on with Arsenal at the moment. Um, I mean, I would say there's a lot of similarities. Like, we've got to this point where the very sort of critically acclaimed roster of players slash wrestlers from a previous glory era have now are now sort of passing. Like they've gone and they've sort of restocked with a mixture of homegrown talent and smart signings. And it feels like they're no longer relying on the stars from that previous glory era. It feels like they've built something new, Mm -hmm. a new team from scratch. Again, but guys that they've trained and guys that they've you know talent they've Managed to spot and, and hoover up from elsewhere to build a second, I would say, equally exciting. I mean, it might not be there in terms of the stars, uh, you know, star ratings, but in terms of excitement and booking and me sort of looking forward to the shows and, and the buzz that is generating amongst the fans, I would say it's right up there. So, yeah, it's very satisfying to see them sort of get past this sort of 2017, 2018, 2019 glory era. And then build something new from scratch with new stars. And you know we're not there yet. There's obviously still a long way to go. But I mean, if if this is if this is kind of what you meant with your question, the fact that they're sort of building this sort of new new season, new series, whatever you want to call it, is yeah, definitely. I feel like I have more of a sense of emotional investment and yeah, dare I say, ownership in it because yeah, we we wanted this. Like you know, the the last three years that we've been watching it's been pretty dry I mean we're not going to lie and tell you that yeah 2021 New Japan was good shit it wasn't no. it was it, they were going through that transition period and it was rough and we hoped that we would come out of that tunnel at the other end and, and have something to shout about and we do like this is exceeding all of my wildest hopes and dreams for coming out the back of the pandemic this is this is great it's a, a really exciting time to be a fan
1: Yeah, yeah I think people are missing out like I, I just feel like people are 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 missing out, and, and here's the thing too. Um, it all, all it takes is like one thing to spark that again. Um, but I I, I just I, I really like it where it is. I really do. Um, but I, and you're right. We we have been waiting for like three years for this. Um, at least three years, and. I, I'm. It would be very hard to do with clap crowds and empty arenas and all that, and we just kind of had to muddle through it, um, and we did. And uh, it looks like we're we're reaping some some really cool benefits right now. All
2: right, so other stuff from these shows, uh, we had the Strong Women's Championship that changed hands. So Julia defeated Willow Nightingale in thirty minutes twenty nine seconds. So uh, that was a really good match. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought in the closing stretch, they really kicked into a, an extra gear. That was really fun to watch. And I think Willow Nightingale, obviously an accidental champion, but she she played her role really well. I, I enjoyed her. I think she's a uh, quality wrestler, uh, but I suppose the money match down the line is it's hard not to look ahead and think Julia versus mercedes Monet. Yeah. Um And I'm just curious what sort of stage that would get. Is that going to be for a show in the u.s or a show in japan i don't know where where it's going to be the best place to leverage that is that a main event can you can you sell an entire show based on that what's your sort of feelings about julia as champion and where you think it leads
1: well again i think some of this is like I, i'm not the biggest fan of this title just Moving so often, right? It does feel like it's it's been passed around a little bit, um, it, it very quickly.
2: Uh, yeah, but they, they had to take it off. With her. Like she is not a push commodity in AW. She's not a jobber, but you know she's the the fact that she was put in a singles match for a Forbidden Door. Like barely any mention of her holding the strong title, and right. yeah, it, it was definitely the right move to take it off her. Yeah,
1: no, no doubt, no doubt, but um. The, I'm um, like I, I know I said last week it, it, this could steal the show. Well, it didn't, <laughs> but um, the 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 biggest ace up their sleeve, pardon, pardon, uh, is Monet, obviously, um, and I think that the more involved she is, the. The better the chance that division will produce revenue. Um, so you can have that as a main event, um, especially in the states. You're not going to run. I'm. 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 I'm going to. I don't think you're running a major arena with that on top i don't i am i'm curious to see how that would do financially like in in like a united center or uh you know wells fargo center or madison square garden or whatever like that type of arena like do you think that new japan can could run a show with them on top and have that building be sold
2: Um, I'm I, leaning towards this, maybe being more of a money thing for Japan because Julia, from what I understand, is a big star in stardom, but I don't think she has that cachet with the, the US audience right. at this point,
1: right? All right, so yeah, maybe, um, maybe it's maybe it's Wrestle Kingdom, All right?
2: Could be. I mean that Oh no, you you not a quick question. Oh yeah, okay. sorry. Okay. Go ahead. I was just
1: going to say the I the mean- idea of uh you know them being like third or fourth from the top. I got no problem with that. No problem with that at all.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. agree. I was going to ask you about M- Momo Kogo. Momo Kogo who um was in that tournament that we watched from the uh Strong Show a month or so ago. Uh she was in the tag match on night one uh how old do you think she is Uh,
1: 12 (laughs) i don't know um how old is she
2: she's 38 wow which is a a late starter by the Joshi industry but she's great she's one of my new favorites really enjoyed seeing her back and seeing her teaming with willow nightingale so very cool i like that um all right other stuff from these shows then we had uh Lance Archer and Alex Zane teaming up. They said they're a, a team now. They're calling themselves, what was it, Monster Source? They said they're coming all over Worlds. Um, whatever that means. <laughs> so, yeah, that could be something to we, we see maybe either on Strong, you know, maybe these guys are challenging the War Dogs for those Strong Tag Team titles, or it could be even long-term thinking about World Tag League. But Archer and Zane would be a really fun team and it's just always great to see Lance Archer in Japan. And I've kind of hand-waved him in recent months and thought, you know, maybe he's not He's cooked, he's washed, but I don't think he is. I think there's still a lot of value in him, particularly in Japan, and particularly as a tag wrestler. If he goes back to the tag stuff, I think him and Alex Zane could be a very weird but uh, very fun team. Um, other stuff I've enjoyed. Uh, it was good seeing Team Filthy in their ridiculous um, in the US. Um, American Independence Day outfits. Uh, it was a big shame about JL Kratos with that massive hematoma. I don't know how he got that, but him... Uh, Pissing blood everywhere the first night and not being able to wrestle oh. the second night. But um Team Filthy, I would love to see more of them. West Coast Wrecking Crew, Filthy Tom. Let, let's get him on more shows, please. Again, disappointing that Tom didn't make it to the G one. I don't know if that was his choice or what, but uh I would like to see uh West Coast Wrecking Crew in World Tag League this year because I think they're really good. Um great to see badu Tito, I think he's he's fantastic as well. DKC, a lot of people a uh, hand waving him, but I think he's got a lot of upside, particularly in Japan. He's got that sort of karate kid style dorkiness that is just sort of endearing with that that home crowd that they seem to appreciate him a bit more. So, um, yeah, anyone else from that strong roster that you think sort of stood out, made a good impression here? I,
1: I, I really did, and I agree with you a thousand percent about Badu Tito, in the sense that um, he's a guy that uh, the company it's, it seems like. You know, puts him in spots that are—I I make it again—not main eventing, but you know, spotlight matches. Like, wasn't he uh, the guy against Suzuki in the first match with fans? Yeah, yeah,
2: that's right.
1: And it's just like those
2: weird little nuggets. Uh, singles match with Okada as well. Was it Royal Quest two?
1: Yeah, I think uh was it Royal... but, but it's those kind of things that like those little nuggets that he gets that other guys might not get. Um, I think to me, and I don't know what his situation is, but like, he's a guy that I think you have something there, you know, like kind of in the similar sense of what you have with Jeff Cobb in United Empire, you know, filling that kind of role. Like he has that, that, i guess body language or you know the way that he carries himself of of being that kind of kind of guy um and i think his success i think he has a better chance of success in japan than he does in in the states so so i'm hoping i see more of him in tokyo
2: there was uh, an interview with him on the Shining Wizards podcast and he was talking about his ambitions to participate in next year's G1 which, that would be great I'd love to see him in the G1, I think he fully deserves it but this was picked up by the website uh, Wrestling World and (laughs) Wrestling World saw this I'm assuming they didn't listen to it at all and they ran, they, they took this information and ran with the headline, Tito Ortiz, oh. uh, New Japan g one 2024 this <laughs> this impact collaboration with a picture of, you know, former UFC heavyweight champion Tito Ortiz. And then, you know, the tech say, <laughs> we're talking about Badu Tito. So someone's just obviously saw Badu Tito and thought, oh, that must be Tito Ortiz. I oh didn't realize that they're two completely different people.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome journalism, right? I mean, look, is somebody, is somebody who has a, an interest in pro wrestling, maybe not that deep, uh, and he just wanted to have a website. He wanted his voice to be out there. Boo! Terrible job, terrible job.
2: And uh, we also had some kickoff matches with uh, some guys from freedoms uh, i assume that was part of the deal for getting Junkasai. but i, I just appreciate the little thing like i think it was takahiro katori and his little pet rabbit the fact that they had that as a sort of built-in narrative for these two kickoff matches so they had like a little storyline where everyone kept taking and, and doing nasty things to his rabbit and then he got it back at the end so uh, just you know, little touches like that they put in a bit of effort to make a, a little two-night narrative thread there to get you invested in that so well done all of those people um so a few questions here just to wrap it up multiverse aces who were the highlights for you on independence day shows for the kasai entrance i had to take my headphones off because the pop was so loud Uh, also will damon be in attendance for the roh pay-per-view in trenton i'm excited to be able to see a shibata match in person uh mark says after these two awesome shows and the junior festival can we add lek and the money mark ceo as promoter of the year in the observer awards so um yeah, Damon. Highlights for you, and are you going to be at the ROH show?
1: Um, well, again, the highlights for me, obviously, main events were they. I mean, they were good, but they were you know they were death matches, and and it was it was a car crash, and it's an interesting thing for me to watch. So from from that level, I would say there. Um, I I loved the idea of you know two two different titles, but the same teams. On consecutive nights. Like I, I, I did love that concept. Um I, I wish we would see more of that. Um Yeah, I would say that. Am I going to ring of where is when is Ring of Honor, may I ask? I don't even know. I'm like forty five minutes away from Trenton. Uh
2: I don't know either I don't, I have to look into I that.
1: gotta look in on my interwebs. Let's see here.
2: But I was going to make a nasty joke and say we could ask the guys from the ROH podcast on the Voices Wrestling Network, which lasted about four episodes (laughs) back in 2019. (laughs) They packed it in and called it a day. Wow! I think why?
1: Wow! Oh, poor. That's that's that. The hardest part about doing this is continuing to do it. Got to stick that shit out. Main event before. Okay, let me see here. Oh, I can't see anything. Uh, Friday, July 21st. Um, I might be booked. Let me see. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll give you a solid maybe. Damon checks his diary on the super chat. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> All right.
2: <laughs> Let's move on here. Let's get to the uh, the meat and potatoes of the podcast, mm. which is previewing the Grade One climax thirty-three. Let's do this. All right, Damon. <laughs> I don't want to approach this uh, preview with the intention of aiming to have completely accurate predictions about you know who's going through each block who's making the quarterfinals and semis and finals who's winning because it's really unpredictable this year and i want to celebrate that unlike previous years where you could look at the last night fixtures and correctly predict the exact scenarios i can't do that this year and i don't want to do it this year so i'm again approaching it with this mentality that there's any number of people, any number of scenarios that it could be, and I think that's a real strength. That's a real positive going into this.
1: No doubt, no doubt. Um, it, it feels like you could just write their names on a piece of paper, throw it in the air, and and whatever results come out of that will be the results. Like you, you wouldn't have to be like, oh, that would never happen. Like it's like oh, it's a possibility that could happen. Even the most far fetched, um, wacky things. It's uh, the, I, you're right. The best part of pro wrestling is not knowing, you know, and and, and having those surprises, even though, you know, look, here's the thing, though. We rarely like, look, there's so much stuff that we don't talk about wrestling wise just because of that element of, all right, it, because we, we know that's some of the best things in pro wrestling. Um, I mean, we might drop hints every once in a while, but you know, where you got to read between the lines, but I don't know. I love that. I love that idea of being, being surprised and being on your, on your toes, like being on your toes, watching this is, is a good feeling. So yes, I'm with you. Um, it's, it's, if it feels like a true scenario where anything can happen. Like, and, and I think it will. You know, I think you, you, this is this is set up to be one of those G1s, at least from a booking perspective of really being able to produce a a good amount of buzz, a good amount of buzz. Will we get those epic G1, you know, night seven that just blows the fucking doors off the, the, the uh, building? I think so. I'm I'm pretty confident we will we will have that element sprinkled in, but I don't think it's going to be like every single fucking night is a, is this you know epic main event. I mean they could be, <laughs> but but I don't know if I'm getting that. I think what I'm getting is on my toes. Lots of wacky stuffs going to happen and it's it and that's going to maybe make up for the fact that we might not have those 2018 G1s that everyone loves i think we'll have, again th- do, do i think we'll have great matches in there of course it's G1 but i think for me i'm more excited about the surprise element
2: uh, darrell says i know 32 guys is a big number but this means Two fewer block matches for each wrestler and a lot fewer in terms of prelims and multi-man matches. Um, I know we've already talked about the 32-man field, Damon. I was just wondering if your thoughts of it have changed at all as we get closer to the tournament. And again, I'm sticking to what I said before. I think the landscape in New Japan has changed. They've got so many people now in terms of outside talent and young talent coming through. I think just the 20-man field doesn't suit. The purpose anymore? Not this year, anyway. Like, uh, and I think it was Shota actually who said in an interview, like, "How are you going to elevate new talent if it's always capped at the twenty top guys?" So I think it fits this year to have that expanded bracket. And um, you know, we said fewer matches for certain people. If you're going deep in the tournament, if you're making it to the final, then you're going to be resting the same number of matches. So I just think having the expanded block of thirty-two, I like it this year. I think it's a it's a positive.
1: Yeah, and and I, I don't think we're at a point where we're just shoehorning people in. Um you're right. How do, how do you make new stars without ha- having that? Now they've done it before with um you know 20 um you know in r- numbers in the 20s. Do I think it's too many people? yeah <laughs> Yep.
2: i tell you what, Dan, I think there's been a, a trade-off here. They have expanded it maybe bigger than they would have liked. Uh, and I think that is for the sake of having the pacing of the tournament. So you can have those four blocks of eight wrestlers and have the double block nights where you're getting eight block matches every night. It's A and B one night and then C and D the next night, rather than having the absolute mess that it was last year where it was completely inconsistent. You had some guys right. having three block yeah. matches and some have had no block matches and it was just an absolute mess to track. So I think it's a necessary evil in order to have that coherence and that that pacing and that feel that like you are watching an actual sports tournament and getting in those new guys that they've had to sort of fill that out with some guys who you might be sort of side eyeing, thinking, oh, really, that guy? But I think that is... Uh, if you'd a capped it off at, you know, 28, then you'd have the problem that you had last year. So... Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Last year was a clusterfuck, wasn't it? I mean, you you had you know guys that would wrestle a match, and he would they wouldn't have an, a a match for at least a, like a week, week and a half. <laughs> yeah. It was uh. It was odd. That yeah. Okay. I. I yeah. I agree. I agree. But you know you do kind of want the best of the best. Um. And and that's just in theory. I mean, in practice. I don't think we really ever had a a G1 where it was just all mint. You know, everybody there was a fucking, you know, just stud. Uh, People got to lose, you know, people got to lose. And I think that that is a consideration that people need to have because people have to lose. And I I hate to break the bad news to you. Guys don't like losing too often. (laughs) They really don't. All
2: right. It's like the FIFA World Cup. That's got thirty-two teams in it, and yeah, you might have some countries in there that are, are going to get battered. But by the time you get to the latter stages of the knockouts, no one is thinking about those teams that were there to sort of fill out the numbers. So I don't, I don't think it's an issue personally. Uh, other thing here, Kevin says the G1 matches now have twenty-minute time limits instead of thirty. Do you anticipate more draws or buzzer-beater finishes? Um, I don't think this is going to hugely impact things because most GWUB matches are less than 20 minutes, even when they didn't have that 20-minute time limit. But uh, I do think we will see at least one time limit draw, possibly early on in the tournament, just to establish that as a, a thing, as a threat. So to sort of set out, yes, this is what could happen. And then, yeah, I, I dare say we'll probably have quite a few buzzer-beater finishes. I mean, just look at the way that the... TV title with that 15-minute time that has been booked. I think they can't help themselves sometimes. And, you know, maybe that might be sort of an adjustment for the wrestlers themselves that are used to having. You know, I'm just looking at matches like Naito versus Zack. They're used to going like 27, 28 minutes. So maybe a little bit of an adjustment for them to to do 20 instead. But um, I don't see it being a a huge change for things, no.
1: No, um, but I think what you will... I, I think it's helpful in a lot of ways. I mean... It, it it helps cut down on match fatigue from the the, the fans' point of view, right? Um, it helps, you know. Ten minutes is like <laughs> a lot can happen in ten minutes. <clears throat> um, so shaving that off, um, I would think by having less time in in ring, um, maybe that helps, you know, keep guys healthy or at least healthier. Um, matches are going to be, you know, they're going to, just because they shaved off 10 minutes, doesn't mean they're going to shave off any of the shit they want to do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're going to, they're going to sandwich that in. I, I, they they got to get their shit in. Come on. Uh, I don't, I, I kind of like it actually. I do kind of like it. I, and yeah, I do think we'll see both. We'll see, the, the buzzer beater and we'll also see the, ah, oh, so close, but time ran out kind of thing.
2: Uh, Louis says with the big one, having so many participants and extra blocks, what would you recommend people watch, consume all the shows and matches or stick with their favorite? Oh my God. So of course the, the sickos like us, we're going to watch everything, but what would your advice be to the casual viewer who does not have the time or the inclination to watch everything?
1: Um, Look, we always say it every year, right? G1 is a grind. No matter how much you love pro wrestling. No matter how much. Because you you miss a day. Uh, you got a show you know, right around the corner. So there's not a lot of time to catch up. Um, especially when you're in the middle of, of, of the tourney. Um, you know what? I would say do what you want. Right, I don't think there's anything wrong with skipping a day if there's a matchup where you're like, okay, I you know uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm okay missing this. Great, take it. W- worry w- pace it at your own pace. Um, hey, if you want to watch every fucking second of it, you can, and and it's it's something that a lot of people do, and I'm I'm on them. I'm there for it. But I would say do your own pace because if it becomes a grind for you, uh, you're going to enjoy it less, right? Um, And if you missed something that was a great match and it's getting a lot of buzz and you just weren't there for it, go watch, (laughs) you know? You'll carve out some time to watch that match, right? So, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't think there's a... Like, w- w- you're not going to get your New Japan Pro Wrestling f- fan club card taken away if it's come to find out you didn't watch every single fucking G1 show.
2: Yeah, I mean, you wait, you see what people are buzzing about the next day, and y- you can go back and catch stuff you you didn't see. I mean, personally, I quite like having the all-block matches cards, and the way they're structured, quite a lot of them, you have a sexy match as the opener. Yeah, So it's not like it's escalating in terms of... Um, you know, money matches or whatever. So I think that the way that they've laid out the cards are quite interesting and, and I think are going to make for good view in either way. But um, just before we get into the blocks and, and talking about the wrestlers, I was just having a conversation with a friend of the show, Jay Michael, who does like incredible work, deep dives into the data and the booking patterns. And the, the big takeaway is that we're sort of going in blind here because in – and I'm paraphrasing what Jay Michael said here. I'm sure he's going to have a, a more comprehensive piece that is better expressed than I can. But um, having looked at the final night scenarios, in the, the years where you have only one wrestler advancing from each block, they almost always do winner take all block final match where you can look at that and you can say, okay, that's definitely going to be the winner take all match. Like 90% of the time under the, the ghetto booking reign, anyone who's got tiebreakers outside of the main event. Loses those matches and clears the way, so you just have a straight like winner take all block deciding match. But now that we've got two wrestlers advancing in each block, you tend to find that the block final match is for second place. Um, and you know we don't—I don't have data here for this from Jay Michael, but he says that happens most years. So someone wins the block from lower down in the card, and then the block final is winner take all just to advance rather than winning the block. But that was like fifteen to. 20 years ago. That, that was before ghetto was booking. And the G1 booking pre-ghetto was, um, well, Jay Michael says it was atrocious yeah. and completely arbitrary, missed opportunities everywhere. But the, this sort of era of climactic G1 booking is a ghetto thing or the booking committee, whoever you want to call it, Kikuchi, I don't know, whatever we're calling it. So the, the big question this year, it's, it's a big unknown, like how is the booking committee going to book a G1 where two people advance because this is their first time doing it so is it going to be the winner take all block final match as has been the case historically or is that just a a byproduct of the one guy goes through each block system so you know looking at final block matches like elp versus osprey or eddie kingston versus david finlay or tanahashi against naito makes it really harder to predict yeah. because you know in a, a one wrestler goes through you could look at that and say okay right winner's going through there now that you've got two wrestlers going through what are we looking at there is that going to be a match that's decided first place or second or, or something else so yeah really interesting work there from Jay michael and, and a lot of uncertainty now that we have two guys going through rather than one guy one guy going through which again i take that as a positive
1: yeah I, I to me it just adds an extra element of intrigue um, and, a, and an extra level of geekiness for people, right? I, I'm sure Chris Samsa has a boner right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the you know it's it's it, it it's that time of year, um, and so you can make this as you know nerdy as you want. Not to just go back on a theme or from earlier, you can make it as nerdy as you want. Um, some and a lot of sports leagues are kind of. Gravitating toward that type of business model in the sense of, okay, the NBA has uh, like a, like a play-in round where it's like a mini playoff to go to the playoffs, and everybody was like, "Oh man, you're diluting it." Everybody, uh, guess what? It was some of the most exciting basketball. Problem in many cases, more exciting than <clears throat> um, the actual playoffs. Like g- these teams getting in, it's kind of like, um how uh in 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 premier league right you have your relegation and teams going up and teams going down like that's an added intrigue that i wish was in every single sport i find that fascinating and the heartbreak when you are relegated and the absolute joy and euphoria when you make it to the next level like that's awesome to me um and, and again, that's that, that's intrigue. That's not even the championship, you know? Um, so <clears throat> the idea of a wild card wrestler, you know, getting in a second place, getting in, I, I think it just adds an extra layer to an already exciting time that it always is. So, yeah, I, 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 yeah again, I know everybody's very hesitant when, with, with change. Uh, you know, people don't like change, no matter what they say, they don't. But um, I gotta be honest, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I like this. I like this a lot.
2: Alright, let's get into A block then, which I mean, for my money, is the most exciting block, because we've got the champion in there, Tanada, we've got the three Railroad Musketeers, we've got a very angry gay kid, we've got Hikolera in there, we've got Chase Owens in there, we've got the outsider, Kaito Kiyomiya. So, just looking at matches we've got coming up uh this Saturday, July 15th in Hokkaido. So we will get Chase Owens against K. Kit. So let's talk about Chase and Gay. So Chase, he's like your solid hand veteran, massive company man. You know the, the company trust him from recent VOW reports. He is basically, I would say, taking care of you at, at this point, but sort of overseeing, keeping an eye on him, making sure he's. Uh, not getting himself into trouble as it were Mm. uh, on his excursion at the moment. So obviously a guy that the company have a tremendous amount of faith in, and he's there to be like the, you know, the solid veteran hand in this block. So I don't expect him to be accumulating a huge amount of points. So I would think, you know, I'm looking at sort of maybe four points for Chase Owens. He's probably going to pin someone uh, that you love in that block. And it's really going to annoy you. Uh, That tends to happen with Chase Owens. Um, but I'm looking at this match with Gabe Kidd and wondering if there's some sort of angle there because obviously they're both nominally Bullet Club, but we're wondering where does Chase Owens fit in with David Finlay's vision of Bullet Club? And I know, I, I believe Chase and Finlay are paired up on tag matches later in the tour, but there's precedence for that being changed. You know, that's not set in stone. That could easily change. So, you know, just wondering if there might be some sort of thing with Chase Owens, you know, trying to pull rank on Gabe Kidd and saying, you know, I'm the veteran. I've been in bullet club longer than you lie down for me. And then Gabe not having it and beating him up and maybe booting him out of bullet club. Who knows? Um, but that's a really interesting one to kick off the block with, uh, Gabe Kidd. I've told you, I really think this guy's a blue chip prospect. He could be a future bullet club leader himself. Um, I don't think this is going to be the tournament to do it. Cause I think he's, you know, tied up in the tag division for now. Um, so again, I'm not expecting a huge points haul from him, but I do think he is a dark horse in terms of performances. I'm expecting him to have a lot of really great performances. Uh, I'm excited to see him against the Musketeers and against Kiyomir because he's had a lot of choice words for them. So they're going to be hard-hitting matches. I can't wait for the promos from him. Um, so whilst I don't think there's any chance of him making out of the, the block, I think he. He is just really, really exciting for me in this block with all the people he's been paired up against. So, um, yeah, let's take it in pairs. Your thoughts, please, on Chase and Gabe?
1: Uh, yeah. So, like, I just kind of do find it a little funny that he's the the guy they picked <laughs> to have him stay out of trouble. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, so that block to me is maybe one of the more exciting and um the possibilities are endless with what they can do in that block i i don't see chase you know going above 500 but yeah he's going to he's going to be the the guy who who fucks up the party for someone will there be that bullet club thing between the two I could see it going down like that right I, I could definitely see it going down like that um I think it's important though that you know in every G1 it, when it starts out you you always have the story of the guy who starts out really cold and then collects wins as you go I if if anyone is that person that's Chase Owens Right, like I can see him putting over people and then fucking up the rest of the tournament by getting big wins.
2: And how about Gabe Kid? How do you think he gets him?
1: I like him a lot. I'm just, I'm really happy for him. I mean, from a guy who cut that promo in in ring in Philadelphia to to where he is now. That's that's really good. It's really awesome. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that his struggles are over. But man, when you when you when you start getting some success and you start um, seeing the fruits of your labor pay off, that's got to be that's got to be helpful at least. Uh, or, or you know, what? at least I hope it is for him. Um, could he get out of that block? <clears throat> You know what? He could. Um, maybe not the winner of the block, but I would not be surprised if he's like the the wild card guy, the you know the second place guy. I would not be surprised. Uh, I mean, just like who, <clears throat> let's put it this way: Who comes out of that block? Like, like, give me the odds on favorite Sonata.
2: Uh I don't want to tip my hand. Okay. So I've got to keep my powder dry and tell you that later. All
1: right. All right. Uh I don't I think he's a definite candidate. I don't think he wins the block, but I think he's absolutely in the mix.
2: Uh also a very interesting pair up on night one. We have Shota Umino against Ren Narita. So already pairing off two of the one Musketeers there. And some questions here. Uh, John says, what beverage will to Umino spill on himself like a small child during the G1? And Cola Blue says, New Japan posted two articles recently about Shota's G1 prep. So there was an interview and the STF article with Chono. A sign that Shota will go deep in the G1 or a red herring. I'm remembering how New Japan signposted Evil's IWGP title win with website articles beforehand. So well, that's a really good point from Cola Blue. Something that I'd not really considered. So just talking to Jay Michael uh, before we went on the air, I sort of managed to convince myself of a, of a scenario where Shota not only makes it out of this block, but then faces Naito in the quarterfinal, gets his win back over Naito, faces Osprey in the semifinals, gets his win back over Osprey, and then faces Okada in the oh finals of the grade one climax. And then I suddenly thought, oh, no, he's not ready for that at all. But um, I mean, I, I think he's a dark horse here. I really do. I, it would not surprise me, to see him get out of this block i think it's sort of a coin flip between him and suji at this point and the amount of uh promotion and publicity they're putting behind him that you know there's no, no smoke without fire so definitely want to keep an eye on and he he is doing a lot of interviews and stuff at the moment and seems to be sort of sliding into this nepo baby role where he's you know the, towing the company line and just being a bit of a little shit about it, like a teacher's pet, basically. Mm-hmm, right. So, you know, I don't think we're going to get the full-blown heel turn where he turns into a badass. I don't think he's got it in him. But him sort of leaning towards the, like, like I said, the teacher's pet thing where he's going to irritate everyone and just be a, a little prick about it, I think that that could work. And seems to be working so far. So I, I like this sort of new direction for him in the interviews, at least. And, yeah, I think he... If you put the gun to my head now, I would probably pick him to get through this block. Um, Ren Narita, I need to see more from him. I think this is a, a really good sort of sink or swim opportunity for Ren here because he's sort of lost direction since he's been put in this strong style faction, which seems like a misstep right now because I don't think it's it's been particularly helpful for him. He just feels directionless at the moment. But this is a great way for him to get back on track and based on comments that he's made about sort of new Japan versus Noah stuff, it seems that he's got a real big bee in his bonnet about Kiyomiya. So I could see him maybe spoiling Kiyomiya and then having them having some sort of feud afterwards. So yeah, I really th- we need to see something good from Ren in this tournament, even if it isn't necessarily making it out of the block. I'm just thinking in terms of the actual match quality and the fire that he's showing. Um, so, yeah, those are my thoughts uh, on Shota and Ren. How do you see those two get?
1: I think Shota's got to be heavily considered, right? To be in the mix, um, just like like nobody really knows the right time, right? Like when's the right time to give you, you just got to do it. And, and I, I guess it comes with experience that it comes with um, kind of getting a feel of when to pull the trigger. But it's I mean, is this the, is this the year where he does what you described and he just goes on this fucking massive run? Um, I wouldn't be surprised I'm not saying it would or it is, but but. I, would you be shocked at that run? You know, he just catches fire and he's fucking beating people. Um like like that's not as crazy far fetched as you know, it it might seem. Um Yeah, you know what? That that this is why this block is really fucking awesome. Because I just sat here and I was like, "Yeah, Gabe Kid, I could see him being the, side. you know, well, you got Ren, <laughs> who's sitting, you know waiting for his moment. Who I think you're right. I would love to see. I I love the fact that right now he has an opportunity in front of him to just turn heads. You know, he has an opportunity to be a guy that people." are uh, whoa did you see that did you see him what a fucking badass baba whatever right he has that opportunity in singles matches against a a wide variety of guys that can go young for, you know they want to make an impression they want to make a mark like to me in that block who has the most upside potential i think it's ren because you're right, it does feel like he's kind of lost in this faction, and I think the faction is, itself is is kind of poorly constructed. <laughs> and, you know, it's like it's it doesn't even really feel like a thing anymore. Um, yeah, I, I, this might be a coming out party. So, circle his name. Let's put it that way.
2: Uh, we also have Yota Suji against Kaito Kiyomiya right. on our first night. So yeah, like I said before, I think Suji or Umino going through is a coin flip. I could easily see both. I could see Suji going deep in the tournament because he really caught fire in that Dominion main event and captured everyone's imagination. And just he looks like he's he's got it. He's got it. He's got, it. He's got everything. You know, he's got that crowd connection. He's got the swagger, the charisma. Really exciting move set. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he's got in store in terms of the actual in-ring stuff. Um, He's got a big mouth on him. I like the sort of arrogance in his promos where he's saying that, you know, he's better than the other Musketeers and how dare they put him on his level. Um, He's got Gabe Kidd on the final night. So, again, I'm wondering if it could be Gabe playing spoiler there. And obviously they uh, clashed in the UK, so they've got that sort of link together. But, yeah, Suji, I could see definitely being a factor going into the final night. Um, and it would not surprise me in the slightest to see him getting out of this block. Kiamia, I don't think he will make it out of the block. I think doing that at the expense of all these, you know, anointed musketeer guys would be
1: a misstep. Yeah,
2: quite strange. Yeah, unless they are signing him, which I don't think they are. You know, if I if you had to ask me now, I think this is just cross promotional stuff. Uh, If he does start picking up, you know, going deep in the tournament and, you know, pinning Sonata and stuff like that, then I might think, okay, hold on a second. There's something up here. But just taking it at face value, if this is just a a Noah guest star, I could see him having a a good tournament and picking up some signature wins and being a contender going into the final night. But I, again, I I see him getting spoiled by Ren on the final night. So I don't think he makes it out the block. So, uh, yeah, what do you think about Suji and Kiyomiya? Suji.
1: I feel like I'm just repeating, but it like wouldn't shock me at all to see him move on, um, because you're right. He he does have that element that I think even the other guys are missing. Like like he's he's got it right out of the gate, um, and I think you know, these like like G one makes or breaks people, man it really does like it it it's just one of those things where where you're given an opportunity to shine and it's not like every match is going to be you know the greatest thing you've ever seen but you know people give give guys an opportunity damn this company i would say 9 times out of 10 they t- they take full advantage of it um Unless they're signing, and I and, and like you said, I don't I don't see that happening. Um, there's really no upside to having an outsider uh, defeat your young and rising stars, <laughs> right? So I'm sure there'll be. Uh, it's not like he's going to. It's not like he's losing every match, but um, I wonder what those discussions are like. <laughs> we're bringing you in, but <laughs> we're gonna you're you're gonna you're gonna lie down a little bit. Um, yeah, but I don't see him getting out. I I just don't.
2: Scott says, which Rewa Musketeer is most likely to level up in this year's G1 Climax? Um, I do think that's going to be Shota, actually. I think he's going to prove uh, a lot of people wrong. I don't think he's going to suddenly become cool, but I think in terms of his in-ring work, I think he's going to definitely silence a few doubters there. Uh, And Aaron says, writing off last week, honest question, what is the Rewa in the Rewa 3, and do you two believe the three Musketeers are big enough next year to make Forbidden Door? Um, Yeah, I mean, the Forbidden Door thing is another question entirely. I think they I don't know. You'd have to ask Tony Khan that, but, um, the reiwa that's, that's like the current era of the Japanese official calendar. Yeah. So I, I think it changes when the emperor changes. So when the new emperor ascended the throne, then it was Reiwa. I think it's a, it means like auspicious or something like that. I can't remember what the exact translation of the characters Rei and wa are, but it's something like that. Like every time there's a new emperor, they declare it a new era. So, um, I, I think the key thing, like as you said, this is sink or swim time in this block. Not everyone is going to deliver. I could make predictions like, oh well, this guy is going to make himself a star, and this guy is going to flop. Like we don't know. Right. They're not all going to be great. Uh, but, and again, I just like the idea of just throwing them all in there and being like, right, let's see, you know, who makes it out of this one alive?
1: Yeah, sink or swim, sink or swim. Um, I, my, my, I, I again, I, the guy I'm looking at the most is is Rennerita. Like um, I, because here's the thing. I I feel like he has that element in him. Um, like I just I I just want this to be the stage where he shows it. Um, and and again, given the opportunities that all of those guys have, um, how excited? How excited do you think they are? They gotta be just fucking thrilled with, with all, like the opportunity that is there um uh, they got to be fucking tickled pink man i here's the thing i don't think you can ask anything more from a company you know what i mean like okay you're going to be in a block with guys that you have trained with for years and know very well and we're going to give you 20 minutes you know every other night and let's see what you got that's this is this is what they dreamed up. This is what they, this is what they worked very hard for. Um, and again, who cares about wins and losses? In my mind, it's okay. Show show me what you got. Show me what you got. <laughs> That's what it is.
2: And the last two guys in A Block we have are the IWGP Champ Sanada and Hikuleo, who are facing each other uh, on Saturday. So. Yeah, uh, the fourth One Musketeer says, who is beating Sanada to set up future title shots on the way to Wrestle Kingdom? I don't think it's going to be Hikaleo. No. I could actually, you know, know why I said it, Um, I could see Kiyomiya pinning Sanada and setting up a, a, an autumn title defense, very much like how we had Okada defending against Marafuji mm-hmm. towards the back end of 2016. So I think they could sort of play off that and maybe that that wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, Kiyomiya's going to New Japan. I think they could sort of run that as a sort of money-making um, sort of cross promotional big big match for the uh, the destruction show at Sumo Hall, so they can certainly do that. But I think Sanada makes it through this block. I think he probably wins the block. I think he should win he the should. block because he's the champion, and you know, a big show of faith to put him in there with all these youngsters. And uh, you know, he's now the, the guy who is more experienced and is uh, you know leading these uh, less experienced wrestlers through the matches. So that's a big show of faith for him. But yeah, I think he does really well in this block. I think he probably wins the block. And Hikaleo, I could see him being a contender. You know, he is, I think, sort of easing into that Farley spot as right. the monster. That's how the matches are likely to be structured. Um, he has got Shota on the final night. So I could see that being like winner goes through or, or winner finishes second rather. So I, I could see it being like, Know, Shota is positioned as the baby face in peril. How's he gonna be the massive dude? And then Shota manages to uh use his, his skills and his cunning to uh get the win over Hikelo. So I think Hicelo is going to be in the mix, but I don't I, I don't think he's gonna get out of the block.
1: No. yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he, he has a role of being a, a, a strong roadblock for people, you know, like he's he he you know he's like the maybe not the final boss but he is a big boss in <laughs> if we're going video game analogy yeah. uh unless we forget
2: he um he's the one who uh, knocked jy out of japan right. and banished him from japan so not for nothing right
1: right so uh yeah he's going to be that guy um to to crush dreams Let's put it that way um and yeah i, I do see what kind of you, you laying out there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, again, I think Sonata wins the block as he should. Um, But you're right. I think if in fact, like there's a reason we're putting the Noah guy in that block, right? Like that's that. There's a reason for that. That that wasn't just by, Oh, look, blindly drew. no, there's a reason and i think you're spot on if you uh if you can find any bookmaker uh <laughs> that that would have action on that i think i think you might want to put some money there um to build for a title defense yes i think i think that makes plenty of sense um and and again you're going to need title defenses before wrestle kingdom so I that's that's where we're going with that.
2: All right, let's move on to B block. I, I, I suspect we're going to have less to say about the remaining three blocks. Um, this is going to kick off uh, on Saturday with Yoshihashi against El Fantasma. I mean, Yoshihashi, you know what you're going to get with him at this point. I think in a very high standard of wrestling, he's going to show a lot of heart, a lot of passion. Um, have a lot of matches that people are going to go, wow, this one was surprisingly good. Although we won't be surprised because we know that Yoshihashi is good now. So uh, I think he's going to perform very well in terms of in-ring quality, in terms of points. I mean, he's going to sort of be sort of hovering around, what, six points. I don't think he's going to be in the mix at all when it comes to the final night, which he will be facing... uh, Who's he got? Kenta. So, yeah, I think that's going to be... a a nothing match by the end of the tournament. Um, and El fantasma he's a tricky one. A lot of people on a Discord saying he's on fraud watch, you know, picking oh. him up and saying he's going to be, be the next star or whatever. And people are expecting him to fail here. But I thought he had a really good G1 last year. And I'm just looking the final night for him. He's got a singles match against Will Ospreay and they've got a lot of history together. And, you know, this is the year of pushing you guys and making new stars. So, that look, that's that one has got winner goes through written all over it. I don't know if I'm ready to say at this point, yes, El Fantasma is going to eliminate Osprey from the G1, just because I I don't think he will, but he will be in the mix. I think he will be a, still alive by that point. And would it stun me? Would I? Would my head explode if he? manage to beat Osprey and go through to the quarterfinals? No, it would not because he is in that sort of upward ascendancy and there's a lot of interesting stuff around him story-wise. You know, I think the direction eventually is having a rematch with Finlay and this story he's got, he's got to sort of recruit some buddies to help him take on Bullet Club. Um, but yeah, I think he is going to have a very good tournament in in in-ring quality. uh, And just, again, circle that one of the last night, ELP versus Osprey, because maybe not as cut and dry as some people might think. So, uh, yeah, thoughts on Yoshihashi and ELP, please. Uh,
1: Yoshihashi will uh, not play a factor in the finals. Um, He'll be there, and he'll have good matches. Um, El Phantasmo is interesting to me because... Yeah, if you circle that Will Ospreay match, you know it's going to be a fucking great match. Now, are you going to get that ELP in every single G1 match? Probably not. Uh, you, You might get some Dick Housery and shenanigans. And, you know, he might be a little bit more that than... Epic match, ELP. Um. So we'll see. I but I think that match definitely will, will be in the running. In the running for match of the tournament. I mean, just on paper. I think I think that's that's when he's going to shine. I'm I'm kind of shocked at your comment of people being uh what would you call it? Fraud watch? I mean,
2: yeah. So fraud watch. This is the new the the buzzword on our Discord for people who've been like gassed up by the fandom and everyone's raving about them, but who they think might shit the bed in this tournament. Okay. All
1: right. Well, I I I I do not have him in the in that bucket yet. Um. So uh, I think I think we'll see good things. Hang in there. Hang in there, fraud fraud watchers. Hang in there.
2: Uh, okay, we are also got uh, on this opening night Tangaloa against Kenta. I mean, Tangaloa, great to see him back from injury. Oh, okay. um, he had he had a decent first G1, although a little bit disappointing. So I'm not holding my breath for brilliance here. I'm interested to see... I think like his matches against Taichi and Osprey and Okada, if he can't show us greatness well, or very goodness in those matches, then yeah, maybe it's time to... Uh, reassess what we're doing with Tangela as a singles wrestler, but uh, I I don't see him being a factor going into the final night. I think he's got Okada on the final night, and I think that's probably just a straightforward win for Okada to seal um, his top spot in in the block, to be honest. Uh, Kenta, yeah, he's he's cooked. He probably shouldn't be in the G1. Uh, Noticeably, he's slowed down, um, relying on a lot of shenanigans for his matches. Although that, that one thing I forgot to mention, I did enjoy the shenanigan of him trying to attack Eddie Kingston with a strong title and Eddie Kingston threw it away. And then he got the Defy title, which everyone forgot about and him in the <laughs> face of that. That was very funny. So, you know, I think Kenta, he's the night off match. He's the shenanigans match. I'm sort of looking, expecting more from him in terms of comedy and amusing backstage promos than I am actual wrestling. I don't think he's going to be a factor on the final night either. So, yeah, Tangaloa and Kenta, please, David.
1: I mean, if there are two guys that I wish weren't in the tournament, I, I think those two guys, to be honest with you, like, I, I know everyone loves to give uh, you know, the, the former gorillas of destiny chances and opportunities and, look, I'm sorry. I just, I I, I it's not working it hasn't worked yet what gives people that hope that it will happen kenta um let's be honest i mean he's he's working a style of self-preservation at this point um and the idea that he can flick a switch and turn into turn back the hands of time just it's just not it um so yeah right to me like if I were if if you were to ask eliminate two guys and whittle this down to thirty, um I'd probably start there.
2: Also on the first night we've got Okada against Great Okan. I think Okada is winning this block and going deep in the tournament and probably a finalist, uh, just because he's awesome and I just enjoy seeing him now being very angry with all the, the zoomers. So yeah, not a huge amount to say here. I think he's probably making it all the way to the final. Uh Great o'connor This is another hot potato, isn't it? And yeah. every year we like, oh, this is this is the year Great O'Connor gets its push. It never happens, but it's one of those things. It doesn't happen until it happens. Could it be the year that it happens? I'm gonna give you a solid maybe, and the reason I say that is looking at the final night. Where he will be facing none other than Will Ospreay. Oh no, wait, no, he's not gonna be facing Osprey at all. What am I talking <laughs> about? Osprey's got ELP. He's got tight he's got on the final uh-huh. night. So no, what I was gonna say uh, with regards to Great Con and Osprey, they're in the same block, right? They were not separated. Most of the stable mates have been separated, but Osprey and Akan have not. So that is one to circle. Great Khan versus Osprey. Why are they having this United Empire versus United Empire match? Was it an oversight? I don't think it was. I think this is—I I mentioned before—I think this is an insurance policy in case Osprey quits the company at some point and goes to AEW early next year, whenever his contract is up, uh, and Great Khan can have that win over Osprey and lead. The, either you know, they have a singles match or something, or, or that is just basically fuel to let Great Khan take over. Leadership of United Empire, so I I just think that there is a reason they put Okan and Osprey in the same block. So yeah, Osprey versus Tai Chi in the final night. Do I think Great Okan is going through no. just by virtue of the fact that there's Okada and Osprey and ELP is a Dark Horse? I don't think so. I would be really surprised if he makes it out. So I think uh, Great Okan. Um, appreciators are going to have to wait <laughs> at least one more year for the, the big push to come.
1: It'd be nice. It'd be nice for it to happen. Um, yeah, they're taking their sweet time, aren't they? It does feel like it. Yeah, and and again, the the that block is a tough block. Now, if by some pro wrestling miracle that he does make it through, I would be not only shocked, but happily surprised, you know, like that would be really fucking awesome because, yeah, there are a lot of studs in that block. Um, and, and and those names, I think it's going to be very hard to keep out of important matches leading to finals and winning the whole thing. Um, so I would say the odds are against that happening
2: and also in b Brock, the last pair we've got is Tai Chi versus osprey which is a, a cracking match i'm surprised that's not main eventing to be honest um uh, but yeah taichi love him he's going to be great in this block he's going to have terrific matches that we're all going to enjoy and he's probably going to get six points and not be a factor at all uh on the final night Like as i said he's facing great okan and will osprey yeah i think he probably makes it out of the block uh, I could see him making it to semi finals. I'll give you that. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's just picked up the US title again. I wonder if there is another match with Kenny Omega in his future. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think, I mean, the chalk pick here is Osprey yeah. to make it out, beat El Fantasma on that final night and get through in second place.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm going with the safe. I'm going with the safe pick there, but you know, you, you you also have to remember that we're we're planning for our main event at Wrestle Kingdom, um. So in your mind, you got to think, okay, who's who's able to fill those shoes, um, and you know, Osprey is definitely one of those people that could fill those shoes with the right opponent. So,
2: or well, he could be he he could still have the U.S. title by. By then, he could be your sort of semi-main event U.S. title sure. work rate attraction match. Yeah,
1: yeah, no doubt. I, and I, and 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 why wouldn't you? Right? Why? Why wouldn't you? Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely see Will, and 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 he's never won it. Um, he might be my pick to win the thing. So, um, yeah, I, I I think he definitely gets out of the block.
2: right, on to C-Block then. So uh, the C-Block will kick off on Sunday. And that will be in Hokkaido, so July 16th. Uh, First match here, we've got Tomohiro Ishii versus David Finlay. So uh, Finlay, if I'm not mistaken, already has a win over Ishii. I think they faced each other in the New Japan Cup, if I'm not mistaken. So I think this is actually going to be a spot for Ishii to win and put Finlay... uh, under pressure starting off in the tournament. Uh, but I think, you know, as we go deep in the tournament, Ishii, he's going to give you your, your work rate matches because this is the the tough guy block. So, you know, you're going to, you know what you get when you have Ishii versus um, guys like Hanare, Ishii versus Shingo, Ishii versus Eddie Kingston. They're going to be a lot of fun. We're all going to enjoy Ishii having the Ishii match, but I don't think, he you know, he's going to be another six-pointer. He's not going to be in contention on the last night, uh, and on his last night, he will be facing, uh, off against, this is at Yokohama Budokan, uh, Ishii against, uh, Mikey Nichols. So yeah, that's going to be a nothing match. Uh, David Finlay. Yeah, I think he loses this opening match, but I could see him going on to get through the block, probably as runner up. Cause I think as your bullet club leader, you want to keep him strong. Uh, and you know, I hope he has, a. Uh, Exciting, hard hitting matches against those people that I've just mentioned. Uh, final night, he has Eddie Kingston. So, yeah, which is not going to be an perfect, easy
1: yeah, which not going to be an easy night at all. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. I mean, Eddie Kingston, match, match seven, Eddie Kingston. Who knows what shape he'll be in at that point? But we will get on to Eddie. But yeah, I think Finlay wins that one, and I could see him getting through the block in second place. So. Yep, yeah, that is Ishii and Finlay for me. Where do you see
1: them? Though? Yeah, um, I think Ishii's the guy who will uh, win some, lose some, right? He'll, he'll probably be in and around 500 with his win total. Uh yeah. You know, half and half. Finlay, yep. I, I think he's getting out of the block. And I think you almost have to, right? You Just like you said, you do want to keep him strong. You want to... You want to have him in in, in prominent places, uh, important places, because, again, he is he is the new leader of your Bullet Club. So, um, yep, keeping him in the mix. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Also, uh, we were kind <clears> of <throat> clued in on to keep an eye out on one Aaron Hanare.
2: Yes, he was the next person I wanted to discuss. So, uh, again, that second night, we've got Mikey Nichols against Hinari. Uh, Mikey, uh, I think, is just there to make up the numbers. I'm not expecting much from him at all. I don't think anyone is. So, if he has a couple of stand-up matches, I would say he's doing well. But uh, probably looking at, like, four points for him, he is not going to be a factor. Final night, he has uh, Ishii, as I said. So, yeah, don't expect a huge amount from Mikey Nichols. Uh, But, yeah, Hinari... um, I don't think he's going to be a contender. I mean, he might be. Would it shock me if he's still with a shot? You know what? I think he is. I think by the final night, I think he's still got a chance. Um, And yeah, we have been told that he has uh, something special planned for his entrance in Hokkaido this Sunday. So do keep an eye out for that one. I'm excited to see. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to come. He's going (laughs) to (laughs) come.
1: He saved he's it for everywhere. this moment. He's Ladies and gentlemen, uh, he,
2: he's, he's definitely in the right block to have the sort of matches he likes to have. You know, he likes to hit people hard and he likes people to hit him hard. And I thought the block he was in last year wasn't set up for his strengths. But I think all the Hinari haters are going to be in the mud after this tournament because when he gets to face guys like Eddie Kingston, Finlay, and Shingo, and he finally gets that match with Ishii, I think we're really gonna see Hinare at his best here. And I think going into the final night, oh now this is this is a spicy one. He's got Tamatonga on the last night. Now, I don't know if you remember the match they had at the New Japan Cup, Damon, where, you know, it looked to me like there were a few potatoes thrown oh. in there. It looked like there were some receipts and there were some quite nasty comments from Tamatonga about um, Hinare's hair which I thought oh is that uh, <laughs> you know these guys working and it did make me wonder if there's uh, a, a bit of bad blood there but uh, yeah that as the final night for both of these guys is is an interesting one so I'm going to give you um, a scenario where Hinare is still in contention on that final night but I don't think he makes it through uh, but I think the key thing here is him going to be having kick-ass matches and, and hitting people really hard and people going yay Hinare.
1: Yeah I, I mean look This block is tailor made for him, right? And just like you said, this is a guy who encourages people to hit him hard, just so he can get in the mat. Like he can kind of, you know, feel the match. Um, So yeah, this is this is a block for him. I will tell you what, there there is a lot of that though. Like there is a lot. they, They I I feel like they really they didn't just throw this together, you know. There's there's a there's a method to the madness going on here, which is nice and refreshing. I uh, I think he's in the mix. I think uh, to 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 I wouldn't say the very end, but like he'll be in the mix. Um, there will be mathematical chances of him winning the the bracket. Uh, will he? No, probably not. But. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to keep him hot. Uh,
2: We also have Shingo Takagi against Eddie Kingston. I mean, that's a hell of a way to kick off a grade one climax for Eddie. Oh my lord. Uh, Shingo, I mean, you know what you're going to get with Shingo at this point. He's going to have the the tremendous matches, high work rate matches where he runs the rope and hits very strong lariats and lots of people will enjoy those. Um, I see him on the final night, he has Evil and I can't help but feel Evil is going to play spoiler to him now. I can see uh, I mean, I'll come on to Evil later, but I, I just have a weird feeling Shingo is not going to make it out of this block. Eddie Kingston is not going to make it out of the block. I think, you know, he's got Finlay on the final night and I think Finlay beats him to go through. But for me, again, my concern is for Eddie Kingston to hold up physically right. through this tournament because it is a meat grinder. And from what I saw against Kenta, I was like, oh, oh it's, gonna, it's not going to be easy for Eddie. And I really want him to do well because I like him. Uh, but it's going to be tough, and it would not shock me if there are a few matches where we are, you know, watching through our fingers, like oh my god, <laughs> what, it, it, things are like completely falling apart.
1: Um, it, look, uh, the the only thing I worry about is the 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 stamina aspect. Like, it 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 from anyone I've talked to that has been in a G one. Uh, I remember talking to AJ Styles about it and he was telling me about the cardio that he, he goes through or went through before the tournament. Like, I was just like, my God, I mean, this is just for that tour. He's like, it's so brutal. Um, and yeah, and I, and here's another thing too. I know I always talk about it, but I don't think they know what they're in for. When it comes to that Japanese summertime humidity, <laughs> like that's a factor. Like these buildings aren't super air conditioned. You see people waving fans. Now you got to go out there and have a match. And, and and let's be brutally honest here. It's not like Eddie Kingston is this fucking, you know, picturesque physical specimen. Right, he doesn't look like it I mean maybe 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 it's not going to be hard uh, I think it's gonna be hard um so I yeah I want him to come out of the other side of this in good shape number one uh and, and when I say good shape no injuries uh and B like night seven night six yeah the they, things things might fall apart um I hope not but yeah but here's the plus side of that there is a there is an element of watching him go through this <laughs> isn't it like aren't you curious as to
2: <laughs> I tell you what, I'm imagining. You know, sometimes you get like when people are doing a marathon, yeah. and they're really struggling at the end, and they're like crawling on their hands yeah. and knees. And there's a bunch of well wishers down. And they're going, "Go on, you can do it!" And they just sort of slump over the finish line. And everyone's like, "Yeah, oh, that's what I'm imagining." Like us all cheering at the end for Eddie just to make it through the G1 in one piece. That's
1: it. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping he has a fun time. He's there with his, you know, his his his, his friends. Uh, just have a great explore the country the food ah oh, what a what a good time he's going to have but <laughs> oh my god what a meat grinder i hope he's i hope he's okay but that, yeah that's what it'll be it'll be us cheering like by 6 and 7 i'm just going to be like come on buddy make it quick just get in and get out <laughs> you got nothing left to prove So get out
2: uh, uh Shingo how do you think he makes it out the block?
1: I think there's a chance but I think I think he'll be very similar to that of like Hinare, mathematically in it to the end. Um being in the mix but not getting out of the block. All
2: right, and the last pair for C block uh, on the first night they meet so this would be uh, Tamatonga versus Evil. Now Tabatonga, a lot of people seem down on him at the moment. I know there were rumours linking him to WWE, and I'm not necessarily saying you know, that might be a good thing for him, you know change of scenery. It feels like he did kind of hit his peak or has hit his peak in New Japan. However, uh, something that, again, Jay Michael pointed out to me that I think we have to pay attention to is the fact that in terms of booking and card placement, so he, I can't remember if it was him or Chris, but they ranked everyone in terms of how high up the card they are. Like, you know, people with the most main events and semi-main events, blah, blah, blah. So if you rank all every single person in the G1 in terms of their card placement, Tamatog is third. Wow. Right? He has got the most semi-main events in the tournament. Wow. Which historically has had a direct correlation to G1 success. So based on that, I think Tamatonga wins the block. I really do. Uh, he has got yeah. I think he's got he's got Henari on the final night. Uh, I can see them both being in the mix there, but I think Tamatonga beats him. And you know Tamatonga, he was a semi finalist last year. You know, knocked Jay White out of the tournament. He had that big match against Okada. He had a rematch against Okada where he challenged for the title. So, I think people were probably sleeping on him in terms of. Um, how far he's going to go in the tournament. So I do think he gets out of this block. Um, and I think the G1 format and the 20-minute time limit, we will see more of his strengths than the sort of bloated, you know, 25-plus-minute matches that he had been forced into um sort of the end of last year and the start of this year. So I think he will sort of be back, back to his best here. Um, and Evil... Probably going to be just a shitter for the whole tournament. He's the night off match. Uh, I think it'll be funny. There'll be a lot of good shenanigans and creative stuff with uh, Show and Dick Togo and and what have you. Um, But I think he probably has a lot of losses and then spoils Shingo on the final night. That's how I see Evil's tournament
1: going. Yeah, that's probably an accurate description of what will happen. Uh, Yeah, Evil I can't see playing that big of a factor. I I, truth be told, I'm kind of blown away by by those numbers. It doesn't feel like he's that guy, though. You know, I mean, obviously, New Japan is putting him in places to be. But but I mean, am I off base here? Like he just doesn't feel like a guy that would have those type of numbers.
2: Does feel like the sort of thing New Japan would do because you know Finley beat the crap out of him and took his never title for him to then come back and have a uh, a very I'm not going to say triumphant G1 run but a, a positive one would be the sort of thing that they do. I don't know. I get again. I, I, I had hand waved him up until Jay Michael pointed out that car placement thing and then I thought, fuck, he's probably right. He's probably getting out of this block. Wow. I don't know what to tell you?
1: What an under the radar thing though. Wow. Like I don't, I I I think if you pulled a hundred people, a hundred New Japan fans, uh, I don't think they would they would remember or come up with that, you know, like or think of Tamatanga as a guy that would have those type of numbers, huh? You you think he's winning it, huh? Yeah, I, I, I think I think
2: uh, in first place, Finley in second place. Wow.
1: I, I, I mean, I, I see it. it you know, I, I like it, it's not nonsense that you're talking, but I just can't see that. Can you? Uh, you can. You're saying. It. I don't. I don't. Finley. Yes. <sighs> Who have you got then? going through together with Finley. I mean, originally, I had, like, Shingo. Um, I don't think there's a lot of sexy options. Do you?
2: No. It's not the strongest block on paper. This is the, yeah, it's the tough guy block, the block where people are going to hit each other really hard. But
1: I'll say I think Henry. I'll go Huenari.
2: Okay. All right. Okay. I, I respect it. Um, all right. Let's move on to D-Block then. So D-Block, we will open up again. This is also Sunday in Hokkaido. The first D-Block match is going to be Hiroki Goto against Toriyano. You know what you're going to get from both these guys. You've seen him in G1s loads of times. Goto's going to hit people hard. Yano's going to be the night off match and do his unfunny shenanigans and irritate me. Both of them are going to end up with around sort of four to six points and uh, do nothing else of note. Um, on the final night, uh, let's see. This is in... – no, nope, that's the wrong one. That's <laughs> the C-block one again. I've not done my preparation. Oh. Uh, so Goto has Zach on the final night, and Yano has Alice Coghlan on the final night. So uh, I don't think either of these guys are going through out of the block.
1: Yeah, I can't see it. I mean, they'll, they'll be, again, middle-of-the-road guys. Um, there to advance people forward and to knock people backwards. Middle of the road.
2: Yeah, I mean, the sort of thesis for this block of guys who've been in the same block, it seems like, forever. So you've seen a lot of these matches many, many times before, so you can probably close your eyes and imagine what uh, three-quarters of this block looks like. Uh, So also on night two, we have... Shane Haste against Alex Coglin. Now, Shane Haste, again, I know the TMDK guys probably wouldn't have been in there had Aussie Open stuck around, but uh, Shane Haste, I'm actually quite high on. I think he's going to impress a lot of people. I don't think he's going to do particularly well in terms of points, but I think he is a funny man, and I think his wrestling is going to be good, and people are going to be surprised at how good his wrestling is. Um, Again, do I expect him to be uh, in the mix on the final night where he faces... Jeff Cobb? No, I don't. Um, I think that's probably an easy with a Cobb, but you never know. Um, and again, interesting to see him paired off with Coglin. whether that's going to lead into some sort of tag situation in the future. I could easily see TMDK against the War Dogs being a thing. Uh, yeah, Alex Coglin, big opportunity for him yep. here. You know what he can do. I'm particularly circling in my calendar him facing off against Jeff Cobb and the inevitable moment of him deadlifting jeff cobb because that's got to happen and the crowd are going to lose their minds and it's going to be really good but you know this is a huge opportunity here for Coglin wrestling against guys like goto and zach and naito and jeff cobb to make a name for himself here uh, and again i'm not expecting him to be racking up loads of points and being in contention uh like i said final night he's got yano that's going to be a nothing match but Huge, huge opportunity here for for Coughlin. So, how do you see uh, Shane Haston and his Coughlin getting
1: on? Yeah, I can't see Shane Hast making m- too many waves, right? Um, so, what you're hoping for is is match quality, and I think he can deliver. I, th- I think I think in that block he can deliver. Um, but yeah, I mean, he'll be he'll be lying down more often than not. I would think. Um. Who's the other one? I'm sorry. Cogden. Look, there's a there's a, there's plenty riding on him, right? They they finally have some confidence in the guy and he's delivering. Um I just I don't see him winning the the bra- uh you know, his his bracket. Um but I, I would think he'd be in the mix, right? Till the very end. I would think. Um I'm I'm so excited about like all these guys getting a shot. Like I'm just I'm thrilled. I, and I wish I don't know. Don't don't you wish Carl Fredericks could have stuck it out?
2: Yeah, I do think about him a lot. And I wonder if he's happy with the decision that he made. Um, I mean, I'm not casting aspersions on how he's doing in NXT or NXT level up, whatever it is he's in. Because I do see clips of him. He's been he was in a big thing with, what's the guy's name? The rapist or the guy who was accused of rape. What? G- Gable Stevenson. The, the... I'm not making this up. What is...
1: You know what? We're going to get sued uh, if this. Okay, uh, so
2: this it. No, is, are you familiar with Gable Stevenson? No. Have you heard
1: of him? I mean, I've, I've heard the name, but I don't think I've ever seen him.
2: Uh, all right, so he is uh, a wrestler. Okay. <laughs> and he's a, <laughs> he's a, an Olympic gold medalist. All right. That was it. Okay. So he signed with WWE in 2021. Uh, And there was a sexual misconduct investigation against him where him and a fellow University of Minnesota amateur wrestler were arrested in June 2019 on suspicion of criminal sexual conduct after a female reported to authorities that she had been raped. But charges were not filed against them at the time and they did not face criminal charges due to uh, inadequate evidence to fairly charge and prosecute which, you know, come on. I, need I say more about that? I'm not going to say more about yeah. that. Anyway, why am I talking about this? Carl yeah. Um I mean, would he be a fit in this current iteration of War Dogs? I'm not sure. I, don't, I think so. I don't so. know, but... <clears throat> I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was really mad that he was left out of that G1 yeah. that time yeah. ago. So probably would, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, the road not taken.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean... He they remember that tournament and the, uh, the Young Lions tournament or whatever the fuck it was, and him winning that and like it felt like they were
2: and he was supposed to face Kenta in the New Japan Cup yeah. before COVID struck.
1: Yeah, just terrible timing. But ah, uh, I, I I do I wish something could have been worked out on that front because imagine him now there. Fuck. Oh well. What are you going to do? We'd be cooking. Yep. Uh,
2: Well, well, uh, let's continue with D-Block then. So uh, on night two, we have Hiroshi Tanahashi against Zack Sabre Jr. I think the play here with Tanahashi is uh, do sort of like the Ric Flair retirement thing. Now, I'm not saying that I think this is going to be his last G1, because I think if it was going to be his last G1, I think you'd want to promote that and try and make some money out of it. But I could see this being his last G1 as a sort of a, a credible wrestler. I could see it all sort of falling apart for him and Sort of by the end he's sort of desperately trying to hang on so I don't think he is going to be making that out of this block and I think there's sort of a different story to be told here with tanahashi which is more uh, can he cut it anymore story rather than is he gonna make it out of the block uh, Zach saber Jr he's great I mean we know how good Zach is he is holding the new Japan world TV title at the moment. on the final night Tanahashi is facing Naito. So that I think is going to be. I don't I get again. it wouldn't, wouldn't shock me if that's the kind of you know Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels. Not I'm sorry, I love you, Destino. <laughs> <the, the>, <laughs> has him up. The, the, <laughs> sorry. The battles that these guys have had. You know, where, uh, what am I trying to say here? Where it, it's been historically competitive, but I think that match has an opportunity for a lot of pathos, where Tanahashi just cannot compete, and Naito not squashes him, but basically just puts him away comfortably and is sort of looking at him like, man, what happened to you? And, yeah, I, I just think that is the direction for Tanahashi. Uh, and for Zach, on the final night, he has Gotto. Yeah, I think Zach's going to go through. I think – what do I think? Do I think he's going to finish first or second? I think he's going to finish in second place in his block. So, yeah, I have Zach going through. Uh, how do you see Tanahashi and Zach doing?
1: I see Zach going through. I see Tanahashi in the mix. Here's the thing. For years, how many years have we said, "Yep, he probably doesn't have much left in the tank." You know, this is probably going to be one of the last title runs, last main event, last this, last that. Um, I want to remind everyone that while yes, the uh, output has not been at a level that we are accustomed to. This is a man that finds a fucking way, right? And he's done it for years. Now, eventually he's not going to be able to, of course. I don't know if that's now or if that's 2 years from now or what have you. If 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 he has anything in the tank, which I still think he does, it it, it will be on display. Like he will do everything in his power to shine um and again however he does it, whether it's a cup of tylenol or whatever whatever the, whatever magic elixir they have back there in new Japan Pro wrestling um he'll find it and and take copious amounts uh it's it's hiroshi Tanahashi. And I'll, I'll I, and to me the I can't count him out. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's the same guy that he was, you know, five years ago, six years ago, t- ten years ago. But I, I I I I find it very difficult to write him off, only because I've been writing him off for six years, seven years, it feels like. So. Um, in the same breath, Joe, I am. I, I don't want to see it in front of my eyes, like, I like you're going to have ample opportunity to either see him get you know go to the well again and and have a memorable G one, or you're going to watch the. Demise of of a, of a pro wrestling legend in front of your eyes. Um, eventually, it's got to end. I don't think it's this is the the last one. I think he has more in the tank, and I think he will deliver. I don't want to write him off, but that might be just me being. I don't want to see seven, eight matches and 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 watch the demise. Like, that doesn't turn me on. All
2: right. Well, we've got two people left in the D-block. We have Tetsuya Naito and Jeff Cobb, who will face each other on night two. Um, I see this one being a Jeff Cobb win where Naito starts off on losing, you know, lose one or two matches and everything. Oh, my God, he's he's, going to fuck it up again. But I think he wins the block. I think he's going to go on a winning streak uh, on the final night. As I say, he's got Tanahashi, and I can't see any other outcome than... Naito beating Tanahashi on that final night and winning the block. So I think Naito goes through and goes very deep in this tournament. Uh, Jeff Cobb, I don't know. It, it's a shame, but I feel Jeff Cobb had his moment. He had his push, and that just happened to be the COVID time. So I don't know if he's getting that back again. I could see him being in the mix in the final night, and you know, it wouldn't shock me if he does go through, but I just think if I have to pick between him and Zach, I'm picking Zach at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I just feel that you know maybe... Cobb has more uh, a more productive future as a, a tag wrestler with O'Conn than he does as a, a singles wrestler because I just think yeah his moment may have passed.
1: Maybe. I mean, he's definitely a guy you can heat up again. Um but yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody is expecting Jeff Cobb to make it out uh, of the block, but uh in the mix, yeah, he'll somewhat be in that mix. Um but yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you with Zach and and Naito. I I do I don't know, man. I just I for maybe it's just me wanting it. But do you think it would be preposterous to have Tanahashi and Zach? Um,
2: say so what Tanahashi defeats Naito and eliminates Naito from the tournament to go through. Uh, yes, I think that is preposterous. That okay. would, I think that would be mental, personally.
1: Yeah. yeah listen, it is Hiroshi Tanahashi. Come on. Yeah. All right.
2: Well, I've always said my motto on the podcast this year is: "It's 2023. All bets are off. Let's get wild."
1: Yep. Yep. Let's. let uh, This is. I'm more excited for this G1 than I have been in a long time. Uh, truth be told, uh, this this one right. has a lot of interest. Yeah.
2: Right there with you, man. This is just you just talking about it with you. I'm so excited for Saturday. I cannot wait. There's just nothing hits quite like the G1. That sort of buzz you get when the first show is rolling around, and everyone's watching it together on our Discord, or chatting about it. Um, now, look, we have done this before. I think we have given our picks previously, but you know, a lot has changed since then. We've had a lot of interesting conversations. So I'm going to ask you one more time yes. for each of your Winners and runners up, and then we'll go through our brackets for the latter stages of the tournament and give our hilariously incorrect predictions for the rest of the tournament. So, A Block winner, I have Sonata. Who have you got? Sonata as well. Uh, A Block runner up, I have Shota Umino. Uh
1: who did I have? Uh, uh, look, I'm I'm really high on Ren, so I'm going to go Ren.
2: Uh, B-Block winner, I have Okada.
1: I think that's the safe pick. Me too.
2: B-Block runner-up, I have Osprey.
1: (sighs) Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
2: And C-Block winner, I have Tamatonga.
1: Wow. No, I, 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 I can't do that. Um, that's the tough one, man. That's the tough one. Finley, right? Uh,
2: C-block runner-up. I have Finley.
1: Do I make Tamatanga? I mean, you're right, though. The, it, you can't fucking ignore those numbers. All right,
2: uh, it's either him or she, though. Yeah. It?
1: Yeah, as as crazy as it is for me to say, yeah, I'll go for him second. The 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 numbers don't lie. Um, D block
2: winner, I've got Naito. Yes. Yes. And D block runner up, I have Zach. All right, so that means for quarterfinals, uh, my first quarterfinal, I've got Sanada versus Finlay. And I think Finlay wins. I think he gets his win back from the New Japan Cup final. Uh, your quarterfinal would be Sanada against Tamatonga.
1: Yeah, uh, I think <sighs> Sanada. Well, I mean, Tamatanga would make for a decent title defense. <sighs> Am I going fucking Tamatanga?
2: <laughs> I've got you absolutely tamar pilled. Yeah.
1: Just with one
2: incidental piece of data. Yeah, it's
1: unbelievable. That was that is a great nugget. Um Wow. All right. Uh well Nito's. Uh,
2: no, you got Sanada against Tamatonga
1: as your quarterback. Right, point. but I'm thinking I, so how do I back it? who's gonna you know? Kind of like back into like Naito. Um, <sighs> I cannot believe Tamatanga. but sure, why not?
2: All right, so you're having. So we get this right, Tamatanga to to defeat IWGP World Champion.
1: Sinan, yeah, and he'll be in, he'll be, in, he'll, be, in, he'll, be in, he'll be in line for a challenge. Yeah.
2: Okay, uh, so yeah, mine was Senator Finlay Finley winning. Uh, all right, Okada. We both got Okada versus Zach, and I am having Okada winning.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that makes the most sense. Uh,
2: my next quarterfinal, I've got Tamatoga versus Osprey, and I have Osprey winning. You have Finlay versus Osprey.
1: Osprey wins. Osprey wins.
2: And uh, then my fourth quarterfinal, I have Naito versus Shota. Ooh. And as tempting as it is to book Shota to get the win back and uh, make all the way to final, yep. no, I'm going Naito. Uh-huh. Naito, Naito, Naito all the way. You've got Naito versus Ren.
1: Yeah, Naito. I'm taking.
2: Okay, so then your semi-final, well, my semi-final, I've got Finlay versus Okada, and I have Okada winning that. You have Tamatonga versus Okada.
1: I don't like that, but uh, yeah, Okada's winning. Either of those, yeah.
2: And then, uh, yeah, we've both got Osprey versus Naito as a semi-final, which will be a repeat of last year's semi-final, Osprey versus Naito. This year, I'm picking Naito to get his win back and win against Osprey.
1: I'm going Osprey.
2: So that means your G1 climax final is Okada versus Osprey again, yep. a rematch from last yep. year. Who, who's your winner? Uh,
1: Willie Osprey.
2: And my final is Naito versus Okada, my favourite match. Uh, and I'm <laughs> putting on my clown makeup here, Tetsuya Naito <laughs> doing the great cray climax. Wow! Go to Wrestle baby. <laughs> ah. Woo! Here we go. That is that's the punchline. The punchline, like 90 minutes of analysis and breakdown. <laughs>
1: hey, look! I love it. I love it. Listen. We said at the beginning. None of this shit's going to happen, but okay. Yes, love it. And um, we'll, we'll end the
2: podcast there. So redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast. If you want to throw some money our way, always appreciated. Discord link you can get by sending me a direct message on Twitter. At Cobra Kawaii and com forward slash super j If you want to buy one of our t-shirts, thank you to Editor Dan. Find him on Twitter at Hero 219 subscribe to the voices of wrestling podcast network for other great shows give us a five snake review on itunes follow us on the dying platform that is twitter (laughs) at the super j cast thank you everybody for listening and goodbye